It's Monday, April 23rd, MJ Day, Michael Jordan, not Jordy Mercer, Michael Jordan, the basketball player, because the basketball player was better than the baseball player. But this is Clear the Deck on Locked On Pirates Podcast Network, your daily Pittsburgh Pirates podcast of choice. And this is one of your fine and spectacular hosts, Jared Prugar, with my co-host, Alex Stump, who really needs no introduction. Alex, how are you today? Pretty good. I'm. You do realize that MJ, Jordy Mercer, it'd be JM Day, right? I'm a little dyslexic. Okay. It's okay. I got you. <laughs> Listen, it's better than MM and Max Moroff. Yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. Nothing's better than Max Moroff here. Yeah, actually, Adam Frazier. But any of <laughs> Okay. Tell me about how so you that's feel. what we're doing this. This is what we're doing this week. Huh? We're fighting. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. You you went on with the podcast without me. I was out attending to some personal matters, and then you decide the show must go on, and you replace me with Jason. The week after, you win a bet because I gave you in, incredible odds. So yeah, yes. absolutely refuting. And by the way, we did cannonballs, and I picked somebody other than you to win. So yeah, we're feuding now. Good. Is this the end of Clear the Deck? No, because your country actually stipulated to go through the rest of the season. But, yes, <laughs> for now, we are feuding. Okay. We're feuding now. Alex, as we get in with our feud, tell me how you feel about this week in Pirates Baseball. Uh, it was not a good week in Pirates Baseball. I think this is the first bad week of Pirates Baseball we've had so far. And we knew it was all coming eventually, maybe not to this extent, but offense just went to sleep this week. It was it was pretty bad overall. One in six, the one win being uh, ten runs. That sounds about right against the Rockies with the backups starting the Sunday lineup on a Wednesday. It's It just hasn't been good. The regular starters aren't hitting. I I think they're going to be missing Josh Harrison more than, you know, what you would expect a roughly league average hitter would be or how much you would expect to miss a league average hitter because starting at the top, I mean, Sean Rod may have had that real good game Saturday, but him and Frazier, they're not leadoff men like Jay Hay is. Yeah, I don't know that you could say they went to sleep more or less they went into a comatose state. Um, they were not good. And and it's not even just the hitting. But Saturday night, defense cost them a game. So, yeah. So not only are you – and you're not necessarily getting bad pitching from your starters. The starters You could also say that the defense cost them on uh, Sunday too with uh, Trevor throwing that ball away on the pickoff, resulting in the second run. Right. So not only are you not getting any productivity from the offense – and when you do, it's not even enough to cover what you're giving up defensively. So you're not getting good baseball on both ends, and you're not really backing up your pitchers, which are supposed to be your strong suit, let alone, you know, and we can go into the bullpen issues later, but the fact of the matter is you're not getting it done on either side of the plate, whether you're hitting, whether you're fielding, or whether you're pitching. And that's a recipe for disaster. And I think that's what we saw the last last few days, especially Starting with the Colorado series, we can't. The Pirates came out, laid an egg. Now, I think a little bit of that has to deal with coming back from Miami. It's you. You go from playing in a controlled environment and and warmer weather, and you come back up, and it's 32 degrees, freezing, 
you don't want to be there, this, that, and the other thing, you're making excuses for yourself, you're fighting that internal battle, and then boom, you go out and get, get waxed by two team, by a team that comes from a cold, cold weather city and comes ready to play. So it's, it's very frustrating, but at the end of the day, you got to go out and play, and they're not doing whatever it takes to win those games. No, I mean, so much of this offense so far had been based on, you know, batted balls in play, and eventually they're not going to fall, and that's what we saw this week. There are plenty of well-hit balls where there is either a diving catch by an outfielder or, you know, it's just hitting the wrong spot, a hard hit, but right at an infielder. I It's it's baseball, man. This is why you play 162 instead of 7. I mean, this brings them down to 12 and 10, which... I don't think a lot of people would have complained at if at the beginning of the season you would have said this team would be 12 and 10. They'd be like, all right, that sounds pretty good. We can make that work. Right. And that's the thing is that they didn't expect them to jump out to those 12 wins so quickly. No. And, and whether we can sit here and be eternal optimists, optimistically or not, it's just one of those things where they, they get out to that big, those, those big win total is, oh, boom, they get to 10 wins and they get to 12. And then they kind of plateau and then just go, Strictly downhill, like they're on, like they're on the Monongahela incline, and it's just one of those things where now you're just kind of waiting to you're you're poking the bear, saying, "Or do something, do something, do something," and it's one of those things where you hope that they they come back and and the offense comes to, comes to life, but you just don't know when it when it's going to, and it's not saying. I mean, they ran into the bus side that is Jake Arietta um, Thursday night, right? Yeah, that was Thursday. Yeah. Every day runs together for me anymore. But but that's the thing. So you run into a guy like that who you really don't have that great of a record against or it always seems that he just dominates against the Pirates. But in his, some of his pitches were downright filthy. Um, shout out to Rob Friedman, Pitching Ninja. Um, welcome back. Yes. Welcome back to the fold uh, now that you're done with your little suspension uh, for – performance-enhancing gifts. Um, so it's just one of those things where you, you deal with that. But really, the the Phillies, you get swept in a four-game series against the Phillies. I don't like the city of Philadelphia. I apologize no. to any of you that are from the city of Philadelphia. However, the best thing about it is a cracked bell. And if you in the in the in the folk hero, other than Nick Foles, um, who really just came on to the onto the field this year to, to set the world on fire in the Super Bowl. He just decided to be a meme for a couple weeks. Right, exactly. Is is Rocky. And he, Rocky's not even real. So you've got a cracked... Rocky's great. You've got a cracked bell. A cracked bell. Let me rephrase that. A cracked bell that's hundreds of years old. Yeah, I was going to say, Pirates Offense has a cracked bell right now. And well, they have a cracked everything. And it's more of a, it's a break. It's a break. But, well... R.I.P.J. It works better as a pun. As a pun, my way. Ah, uh, yeah, whatever. Anyway, we're feuding. Remember? Oh yeah. And then, I forgot. And then your char- your favorite character is a fictional movie character. A fictional. If Philly went to New Jersey, it, like we auctioned them off, and New Jersey won that auction, great. I don't care whether they signed the Declaration of Independence there or not. Philly, goodbye. With that said. Hey, hey, here's the thing about Philadelphia. Penguins, they just knocked the Flyers out. So 
Take that, Philly. Take your Super Bowl championship, your NCAA championship, oh, your uh, NBA team that's going to probably go to the finals, your baseball team that just swept the Pirates, and you don't mess with Pittsburgh anymore. Ew, hey, got Alex, I think I'm getting sick. All that success in Philadelphia is uncalled for. I, you know, I hate to be that guy. Ugh. But uh, like I said, the, the Eastern Conference in the NBA is fairly hot garbage you right now. You through LeBron James, and that's all there is about it. But uh, uh, LeBron, Alex, uh, uh, Caps aren't even the favorites. I think, I think the 76ers are probably going to win that conference. And if that's the case, going to the fight. If they win, that means Philadelphia will be undisputed for 2018, a city. Of champions. All right, we gotta we gotta change the subject before I puke. Um, <laughs> um, but back to the Pirates. You get swept by Philadelphia. Where do they go from here? Well, I'm gonna throw a fun fact at you right now. What team led the National League in batted fly balls this week? This past week. Was it a team that played in Philadelphia this weekend? It was the Pirates. Yes. Huh. Yeah. Like so the ball. I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm just trying to, you know, spoon feed you that one. Thanks. I prefer. I'm trying to break down. The, I was trying to break down the feud for you, man. So <sighs> friends again. But I mean, they're getting the ball up in the air. Eventually, something's gonna break. I I'm not ready to panic because, like I said, it's two series, albeit. One bad series and one horrendously bad series. Eh. They get a day off Monday to regroup. Then they get to beat up on Detroit for a three-game home series before the real, real first test that this team has had. You know, three against the Cardinals, four in Washington, three in Milwaukee. I think that's the stretch that's going to determine if this team is, you know, what they got in them. So you're telling me not to panic. They just lost to the Phillies. But you're telling yeah. me not to panic. Philly Delphi is going to be deceived. They're sneaky good this year. Sneaky good. good. Okay. Good. I'll give you that. But so the biggest thing I think you're talking about fly balls. Um, forgive me if I'm wrong. Is Gregory Polanco the key culprit there? Well, he's hitting more fly balls than anyone on the team, which is good. This is good. I tweeted out today coming into the Sunday. Uh, he was eighth in baseball in fly ball percentage. In last year, he had like 37% fly balls. This year, it's 54 point something percent. I mean, that's a 17% swing, which I guess doesn't sound like a lot until you realize one out of every six balls he hit, you know, compared to from last year to this year, he turned from a ground ball into a fly ball. And he's still doing it, even during this cold stretch. Eventually, these fly balls are going to fall for doubles again, and he's going to be fine. I mean, he's hitting the ball well and has a low 200s batted ball in play average. I'm not worried about Polanco right now. So you mean to tell me that I shouldn't panic about the Pirates offense? I shouldn't be panicking about the Pirates team, and I shouldn't be panicking about Gregory Polanco when he can't even hit himself out of a wet paper bag right now? No. No, I mean, Chris Mack... 93.7 put it perfectly. 
the, oh, at 11 and 4, it was too small a sample size for us to take this team seriously, but a 1 and 6 week putting us at 12 and 10. Now it's, oh, now the Pirates, same old Pirates, this is the end. We can base the team off of one week of bad games as opposed to three weeks of good games. So not to panic. Okay, how can I do that? But let's get back to Polanco. He has gone ice cold. You've seen a lot more Pirates games up close and in person than I have, Alex. What do you think <laughs> is going wrong? Uh, I I know Alan Saunders uh, tweeted out a couple days ago, maybe a week ago, depending on uh, what it was exactly, where the first seven or eight games of the year, you know, he took his stats, Blanco's stats, and then he missed one game because uh, he felt a ball off his foot. And since then, he's looked much more pedestrian, if not objectively bad. Which I guess you could say maybe this is the same old Gregory where something goes wrong physically and that's that. But he still has a good slugging percentage since then. It was around 500, if memory serves me correctly, since then. So, I mean, he's still driving the ball. And he's still drawing a decent amount of walks. What he's getting right now, what he's not getting, are like singles. And I feel like... If he's walking and he's hitting for power, he may not be the, you know, three true outcome guy, type of guy yet, but he seems to be trending that way. Whenever, if he could keep hitting these fly balls whenever the ball's carrying better in May and June, he's gonna, we're gonna put all these words to rest. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I feel like this is the theme of this episode besides our feud. The don't worry, it's nothing to see here. The world isn't actually burning yet. Don't worry. Be happy. Boom, 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 boom. Boom. So we're talking (laughs) – that was very good. So I guess we can put the feud behind us for right now. Um, Okay. That that took some teamwork. So, I mean, a lot of Pirates fans this year took them to go own 162 games. They're boycotting the fans. They're boycotting the team because they didn't do anything better. Blah, 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 blah. So they've won 12 more games than people thought, which is good. The Pirates, obviously, they exploded those 12 wins. So, great. But you know you had an offense that really kind of – it does seem that when Polanco is hot, the offense is hot. Is that, yep. is that correct? That was my prediction coming into this year. The offense will go as far as Polanco will go. And it's no wonder that now that these hits aren't falling, that's the offense is going ice cold. So, so we've deal, we're dealing with that right now. That's tough. Pansy Park has been dead. And I don't think it has anything to do with the boycott. It comes down. It was cold last series, man. Exactly. It comes down to not having any desire to sit and watch a baseball game in 30 to 40 degree weather. Unless you're inside and have the, the luxury of a suite or a press box or what have you, why would you, Put your body through that el- those elements. You know what I mean? That's just asinine. You gotta be hardcore. Like, I mean, uh, we we were talking about that up in the press box. The uh, Oakland had the free game this past week, right? Where they just said screw it and they opened the doors and everyone who wants to come in came in. And if the Pirates did that for this past series, where it's cold, how many people could they get through? None. And I argued that they would get, you know, 
an, a lot of people just to come through, but they wouldn't watch the entire game. They would come in like the fourth inning <laughs> after work and have a beer and leave leave in the sixth whenever they realize, okay, it's too cold now. See you. Right. It, it is the weather. I mean, it's the weather more than anything in the world. It's not a boycott. It's not. Well, we don't want to support this team. Listen, you're gonna watch it on TV, and guess what? You support the team that way too. But the thing is, it's cold. It's miserable. Really, there haven't been very many dry games either, whether it's been snow or rain or whatever. So that's awful too. You're out in the cold. It's the weather hasn't even begun to start warming up. So that makes it that much worse because you don't want to deal with that. It's horrible. It's absolutely awful. I mean, you look. I mean, taking for instance, I was uh, I spent two out of the three games this weekend. Two two out of the three days this weekend at um, at People's Natural Gas Field in Altoona for the Curve. And Friday night was a balmy night. There were probably a hundred or a thousand people there. It, I, that wasn't the announced number, but there are a hundred. There are a thousand people there. Saturday, from what I heard, there were probably about five thousand people. It was midday. Three, it was a four o'clock start, sunny day, beautiful weather, boom. Today, about three to four thousand people. So you've got good weather now. It's the place is going to start filling up. It's and it's like listen, the players don't want to be out in the cold either. You you see Anthony Rizzo complain about playing too many games in April because it's oh, snowing boo, in Chicago. Boo. So what? It, don't play in Chicago. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't. That's another thing that I think is I'm possible. I'm sure you go to Tampa Bay, you will never right. have to play a snowy game in Tampa Bay. Ebor City Stadium, I think, is going to be fun to. I mean, Ebor City is a blast. Throwing it back to my college days when we'd go down there for Robert Morris baseball. But, but that's the thing. I think also the MLB. We've they've had what 39 games or so canceled due to weather. Maybe a lot more than that. Yeah. I think over 40 now. So. Do, Major League Baseball, I think, needs to do what they can. Scratch open up with a rival. First of all, Detroit is not a rival now that Jim Leland's not in Detroit. It's a natural rival. It's because they're close. Right. Okay, great. And I enjoy the Detroit series every year. I mean, I do too. And it was great when they had active, real players. Yeah. You know, Verlander. The coinciding of the parts getting good and Detroit and the end of their glory years. Right. That was fun. Exactly. Do I think Major League Baseball needs to kind of take a step back, and instead of opening with your rivals, okay, you'll get them eventually, but open in a warm city, whether it's, all right, Pirates play in Atlanta to start the season, or the Pirates start in Miami, then they go to Atlanta, to Miami, to any Arizona, or L.A., or, or somewhere where there, or, or even Milwaukee where there's a dome. Go somewhere where you're not going to run the risk of getting games canceled and losing games early in the season. Instead of starting, oh, okay, well, let's play in Pittsburgh, and it's going to be raining, and we actually really have no idea what the weather's going to be like. Most of the time, the clouds are going to be gray. And let's see what happens. It's a crapshoot, and look at what we've got. And obviously this year is kind of an outlier compared to years past, but I think they have to Because they started earlier. Right. You're starting in March. That's Yeah. Great. Awesome. You're going to get more off days. Cool. But here's the deal. You have to do what you can to prevent rainouts so that your teams aren't losing money. Because 
double headers. I don't know any exact statistics, but I'd venture to guess double header attendance isn't the greatest. No, no, it's not because, or at least for game one, because that's you know during the day, and matinees never sell as well. They did, but even business oriented, where people would take the day off and go there and wear their suits. Yeah. In the old days, when really the only time to watch baseball was during the day. Now, everybody's got jobs. And, and with jobs come responsibility. You've got kids in school, which is awesome. Go kids, go school. Woo. But at the same time, those kids and those parents don't always have the the expendable income that you need to go to a Pirates game or a Curve game. Or, or games like that whenever the weather is awful or when the weather is even nice and you end up having a doubleheader in two games in a single day. And it's just not the greatest. I'm going to take conversation back a little bit for the starting warm weather in domes. And I, I agree. Like the first series or two of the year, there's, what, six teams in California and uh, two or three teams – in Texas, Arizona area, and there are a couple teams with domes on the East Coast. Like, every season, they should all have a home game to start the year. Right, a home series to start the year. A home series, yeah, home series to start the year. But this past Colorado series that we've been complaining about, that was tax day, man. That's no longer, you know, you can't have, you know, every game in Florida or Tampa Bay. Right. At that point, you eventually have to go to Pittsburgh. This was just a very cold year. Maybe you could push uh, the season start up to, like, April 1st, you know, give, and still have the extra off days that baseball uh, wants by either, A, moving the regular season back, which, you know, you might be trading in <laughs> one cold-weather game for another, Right. Or if you want to get really bold, schedule like two double headers, you know, as the season starts, like one on the road and one at home. So you mean build in double headers to the build in the double schedule. headers? Yeah. That sounds yeah. adventurous. It's like they've almost done that before, but got away from that because of the monopolization of of Major League Baseball and, and professional baseball making buku dollars. I'm, I'm sure the players' union would go for it because you get to bring up that 26 guy, right? Or Double headers, so that means two days a year you create another job for. Oh, creating jobs! It's like we're in politics. This is kind of fun. Yes, this is not going to be much fun if we keep talking about <laughs> that. That's the end of clear the deck. Um, but no, it, it's tough. It's it's you're gonna. And that's the thing is next year. Okay, you can go out and say, oh wow, it was fifty for opening day in Pittsburgh, huh? Well, last year it was thirty degrees. Below zero, and they still played. And that's another debate: Do you play these games or do you not? And yeah, you, you play them. You have you, to. As long as it's not like the elements of snow or rain, you you got to play it. Right. I mean, it's miserable for for all parties involved. So, so yeah. Yeah. That's, and whether you're covering the game because you're cold in the press box, you're well. Although you should be warm. Because there's no way the, the window is open. There are some spots where you know you need to wear sh- shorts, and there are other ones where you're freezing to death. Right. 
I, for one, wouldn't be caught dead in a stadium if I didn't wasn't inside somewhere with with temperatures under 40. Now, obviously, <laughs> I say that being a hypocrite because I've been to opening days in Pittsburgh where it's been swirly winds on that river and absolutely miserable with snow falling. And you get cuddled up under a blanket and about boatloads of hoodies and whatever. But at the same time, it is what it is. People are gonna people are gonna come out eventually. The warmer weather, the promotions are gonna are gonna bring people out. And that's just what it's gonna be. It's it's not oh we're boycotting the pirates or it's bad baseball. The pirates have played fairly well other than this last seven game stretch. They've played very, very well. They're twelve and ten for a reason and they the offense was kicking. Now it's now it's kinda kicking the tires and you're hoping that it's gonna gonna get going again. But it's just one of those things. So here's to hoping that, that A, as the weather gets warmer, the bot, the bats get back to being hot, and they can continue to go from there. All right. Let's talk about this next week then. We've got a day off Monday. Okay. Then six games all at home. First three against the Tigers, who the part swept earlier this year. And next are the Cardinals, who are – Sub 500 against every other team besides, uh, the Reds. If you took the Reds schedule out there, like a six and eight, seven and eight team with it. Woof. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I mean, that's the first manager firing. All right. P. Brian Price as a Red manager. Yikes. You know, the, I was talking about it this past week. The Reds are a fascinating case because you look at a team that has no farm system. Not at all has no idea what they're trying to produce. And whenever they do trade their major league talent, they trade it for uh, major league ready prospects that don't have as high a ceiling, but they can immediately contribute. And I'm looking at this. It's like, so this is what it was like to watch the Pirates from the outside from years, let's say, 2000 to 2010. The Pirates had some... You, the Pirates had some... Con, or some prospects, Rob Mikowiak. Yeah, and I don't want to discredit everything. Cincinnati has probably the best hitter in baseball, or at least in the National League, and Joey Votto. The Pirates did have guys like Adam Heise doing organization. Yes, Adam Heise do. Um, Altoona, Curvin, Pittsburgh Pirate legend. So, But that's the thing. is they do, And that's the crapshoot that is being a prospect, and that's the crapshoot that is minor league baseball. Whether they have, When they have productive careers in single A, double A, triple A, and then they get to the majors, that's a completely new ball game. So, yeah, they might be great prospects coming up through the system, but once they get to the majors, like a John Vamanskoten or even a Sean Burnett, who who had a moderate amount of success in the majors. But you have guys that are that are highly talented like that, and then where do they go? They they just fall off the face of the earth because either A, they weren't ready, or B, they weren't good enough to, to compete at that level. Now, obviously, Burnett has outlasted that as a – because he came up as a starter, but yeah, he he was no Van Van Ben Scoten. He was yeah. no uh, Ronnie Polino. You can sit here and go over no all the Bobby guys. Hill, no right. uh, Luis not Luis Castillo, Luis Jose Miguel. Castillo. Well, yeah, or even Jose Bautista. Jose Pierre. So you have in the parts have had their, their a plethora of prospects that that you think could go on and, and contribute to the major league level. But then they don't pan out, whether it's because they were bad at the major league level or you have, in a Bautista case, oh, change your swing because 
Really, your swing that's gotten you here? Let's sure. just change yeah. that and, you know, see what happens. Mm. And look at where it went. Look at, I look think at it worked out pretty well. Done. Yeah, right. worked out pretty well. So, and then you got you have, like, fringe guys like a Pedro Alvarez who, who has the potential to be good, but then isn't. And and is it very he consistent? Slugger. Right, I mean, and that's the thing is, is how do you rate these prospects and how do you rate those guys? For the Reds, well, I, I guess that's. I, don't I guess know that's anybody no. that's whenever any good they in that made the, whenever they made the Cueto trade and Cueto was their big trade chip that they had left. Whenever it was like, okay, we're gonna start this rebuild. <laughs> it's gonna start with Cueto, and they get practically nothing for him. Aroldis Chapman. Now Chapman obviously had uh, suspension looming over him while they were trying to trade him in his final year of control. Right. But they trade him for nothing. And meanwhile, the Yankees end up trading him for, uh, at the deadline for Torres and a bunch of other prospects. Knowing full well that they were going to get him back. Yeah, it was a two-month rental. Which, I mean, Chicago was, won the World Series that year, right. so I'm sure they don't give, you know, But it was like, you gave this guy away for three kids who... Who did they Torres get back? Torres just got called back, caught up. He played yeah. today. I think he played today. Let me double check that while you while you go on. Well, I look up what the Reds got for Chapman. And that's a that's a crazy deal. Like that's like you know that that he's only going to be a rental. Yeah. Okay. Cincinnati in the deal got rookie Davis. Uh third baseman Eric. Oh man, Jaleo, J A G I E L O. Uh, second baseman Tony Renda, and right-handed reliever Caleb Cottom. I'm not gonna lie. I as soon as you said that, I immediately thought of Major League where they're going over the roster, and it's like, oh, this guy's dead. I have <laughs> no idea who those guys are. I, I've at least heard of, heard of rookie. He hasn't done good in the majors, but I've at least heard his name. And I'm googling Cottom here. Yeah, yeah. Neither one of those two pitchers looks particularly good. Torres went 0 for 4 today with a strikeout, which hey, at least it wasn't 4Ks. But that's the thing is, and and you and Pirates fans, I get it. They they were upset. The Pirates have a cheat history, but at the same time, honestly, I'd venture to say that those two trades, and you're not going to see really the the full effect of of Cole until Musgrove comes out, right? No. No, no, it was Kutch. no, that was Kutch with Musgrove. No, it was no, no, that was Houston. cool. That's I get cool. so confused. I apologize. It's sun. It's we're recording this on Sunday, between the curve, Penn State football spring game, and the curve again. It's been a, a whirlwind of a weekend for myself, but alas, there are no excuses in the game of life. But the Reds, man, they are not in any kind of shape to compete whatsoever. And no. I feel bad that Brian Price was used as a scapegoat because who's going to go in there? Be able to coach those guys up to play at a major league level, like they're at. Like that's that's a daunting task. Joey Votto is going to be a player manager. Let's just do it. Just bring Screw back it. Pete Rose. <laughs> okay. As a hitter. <laughs> As a hitter. Okay. Yeah, he'll play second base. Exactly. He'll pitch instead of rookie Davis, which sounds like a major league name. You're right. Okay. Nothing. No, wait. Was that Jumbo Diaz that they used to have? Is he still yeah. playing then? No, he's gone. Is he even in the league? Let me double check that. Go on with what you were saying. Maybe Tampa Bay? 
I don't know. Okay. So this upcoming week, as we go on a five-minute tangent about the Cincinnati Reds after talking about the Pirates, Tigers, and Cardinals, obviously very oh, wow. natural. Uh, Miami Marlins. So, He's in the Miami Marlins organization. Minor league. How is that not even a little surprising? <laughs> I should have put they money. They traded him for Jeff Lott. Just kidding. No, nah, they just they gave Where's up Jeff on Locke? him. They cut him. Locke is on his couch. Maybe we should have him on the podcast. Let's do it. Jeff, if you're listening, reach out and bring you on. Yeah, I need another lefty. Oh. No, oh, I'll bring on. I'll bring Batman on so he's even in New Orleans. Oh man, let me go ahead, Alex. I'm gonna pull up a really fun story about the New Orleans Zephyrs. But go on. All right, so finally getting to my weekly predictions. Uh, I'm thinking two out of three against the Tigers. Uh, they're gonna slip up at some point, but offense finally starts to look back on track. Uh, I think the Cardinals take the series two out of three. So I'm gonna say three and three this week. And gearing up for that seven game road trip. I don't know how much momentum, oh. how much team they're gonna have. I apologize. They're not the Zephyrs anymore in New Orleans. The, what are they? They're the baby cakes. The, the, what? Baby cakes? Baby cakes. The, ew, no. <laughs> the I got baby cakes. So you got the El Paso Chihuahua. Could you imagine like a post-game interview with that? He's like, what do you think of this team? Oh, I'm proud to be a baby cake. <laughs> it makes me proud to be a baby cake. I am leading a, so, a powerful group of right. ba- Oh, my goodness, that logo is terrifying. <laughs> so, all right, we're um, – I'm looking up information on 2015 – New Orleans Zephyrs. I saw a New Orleans Zephyrs game in 2015 that um, had some real washed up um, baseball players, and and also some really good ones. So some of the guys that that you that you saw, Austin Nola before he got traded, played there, and he was pretty fun to watch. I got to go over the game. Marcelo Zuna, who's a I think still in the league. Michael Morse played for them. That, that Mike Morse. Um, JT <laughs> Real Muto played for them. Ooh. Was he a baby cake? Trevor Williams. Yeah. Trevor was an absolute. Trevor looked good. And I, I know I talked about his defense, but this whole season as a whole. He has been, he has been very good. And there was Jared Cozart. It's a name that was familiar. Matt Latos. Matt Latos is who started that game. Um, started the game that I saw. And that was that to me was wild. So that was that was an adventure. This is 2015. Um, now who else? Was, but go on if you have more important things that you want to talk about, Alex. Oh, I've got nothing left. Okay. I'm just waiting for you to give your prognostication. For the week? Since I, for the, for the week. week. I can still say the word. <laughs> wow. We've, we've Good for grown me. so so far. Um, a child arrived just the other day. <laughs> but, this is the musical episode now. Yes. We finished each other's songs, which is kind of fun. Um, 
but it's one, just one of those things, man. These some of these wild games are nuts. There's or some of these team names, and that's I think that's what we should talk about next week is wild minor league baseball names. I got you. I'm gonna Google it. I already know a couple that I'm not gonna drop right now. I've, Build some anticipation. I've already dropped a couple of this, and I can even talk about the curve and also what they could have been called, mm. um, which is I think going to be great. However, um, I think that let's see, they got the Tigers. I think they handled them pretty well. That's a three-game series, right? Yeah. So I think they're going to go two and one against them. I think they'll lose probably. Oh, let me see. Who's the projected starter? Da, 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 Drum roll, please. Projected starters. Do you need me to give you some filler right now? Yes, please. All right. Uh, play him off, Johnny. Okay. Chad Cool's throwing. And then you've got Tyon following that. And the day game, kids make the lineup day, Ivan Nova. I think they're going to go 2-1 with the first with the loss there. Um, although, if they come out and win game one, I think that's going to set the tone for the series and the homestand. So it's all pretty indicative, or indicative of that first game. But I think they're going to go 4-2. and two. I think they're going to go 2-1 against both. Um, it's very right. optimistic. And I think that's going to be my downfall in the in the world. <laughs> Curse your optimism. Right. Only seventy four more games until they hit eighty six wins. <laughs> All right. But and I guess I guess that'd be uh sixty nine wins for me to get my eighty one and eighty one, which is a nice total. You just like that number. Nice. Anyway, Alex, final thoughts going into into the week and the and the and the rest of the off day here. I got nothing left. I have nothing. I have not witty anymore. That's my real problem. Well, you know, more fly balls from Polanco. Monday. That's what I'm, that's gotta be my final fly thought. He's gotta keep hitting more fly balls for base hits, right? Not or go or go into the stands. One of the two. Right. Polanco's gonna hit two dingers this week. That's my prediction. How about that? All right, and then off the wall prediction, I think, I think the Pirates find their leadoff guy this week. They find him. Yours is far more bold, <laughs> and his name is Starling Marte. I I Francisco Cervelli. Think, oh God, I'm I wholeheartedly think that Marte should be the leadoff guy, but we've been on the hurdle roller coaster before. He doesn't like taking players out of their position. You think about it. Where yeah. Did, where did these guys hit? In AAA, the spots that they are in now, it's as simple as that. Like that's and that's what's crazy about it. It's it's same thing in, in AA. You have a guy, boom, you, you three hitter. All right, well let's slot him in there. That's where he played. That's where he hit in AAA. Let's hit him in the major leagues. It's three hole. So, I think they do find their three their their leadoff hitter. Whether it's Marte, whether it's Frazier, whether it's Sean Rodriguez, they need to find him, and they need to find him quick because getting that leadoff guy in, into successful situations is imperative to the success of the offense. You look at a guy like Josh Harrison who, while the start of the season sluggishly, 
I don't know that, that, that that's a word, but we're going to roll with it here. <laughs> it's it, the offense goes as he goes, and look, the Pirates have not been very good since since he came up, or since he went down with the, with his broken hand, and that's and it's very frustrating. But at the same time, you've got to have guys in place that can really take off and, and go from there. So it's going to be one of those situations that, all right, let's put up for shut up time because you got these games in in April and May, they add up. And they're pretty big in the grand scheme of things. They might not be very big right now, but come playoff time, winning an extra game here and there because your leadoff guy gets on base could mean the difference between being a wildcard team and, and being in in playoffs fair and square. I changed my mind. My final thought is that this uh, Baby Cakes logo is absolutely terrifying, I, and I don't like it anymore. I haven't looked at it. Or, or at the start, I guess, to say. Oh, my God. It's so bad. It's why would it... what are there what are there okay I gotta look at this shot let's look at the hats the hats have to be disgustingly awful <laughs> no no let's call quits here before we keep going on about the baby cakes that's oh, for that's, t- so bad. that's for next week <laughs> it's for next week for locked on parts this has been Alex Stump and Jared Prugar we'll Please see you don't next ever week buy a New Orleans baby cakes hat have a good Monday. <laughs>